1: This
2: game's underway. Into the wind of a dispersed offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh my That's God, that. deep to right field. Way up there. Oh, my.
1: And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it.
2: Here's the payoff pitch. Welcome into payoff pitch. We are Action Network's MLB Betting Podcast. It is Monday, July 17th. Brendan Glassheen joined by Sean Zarillo and Charlie Disturco. It's a short slate today. Monday, often an off day for a lot of teams in the majors. We have 10 games to get through. We'll dive into underdogs later on. We'll find out if we're going to fade the public. What side in the Action Network app do we see getting a lot of attention? And then some. Final bets, maybe even the Oakland A's from Charlie Desterco. Who knows? We'll find out. We haven't had like an A's segment on the show lately. We've been all over the place. Anywho, uh, Sean Zarillo, having a look at the slate, what might interest you as a best bet for today? You always hear the adage,
0: good pitching beats good hitting. Well, we'll see today if bad pitching can beat bad hitting. um, We have Jordan Lyles going... In a very disgusting matchup against Matt Manning with the Royals and the Tigers. These are the bottom Ooh. two offenses against right-handed pitching this year. Uh, Lyles has been talked about quite a bit because he is potentially capable of losing 20 games, which we don't see happen quite often at the major league level. I believe the last time we had it might've been Jerry, Bo- Jeremy Bonderman when the Tigers lost a record setting number oh. wow. of games and nearly matched the 1969 Mets. So um yeah, it, it's rare territory for a pitcher to be at 11 losses at this time of the season. But you look at the underlying metrics for Lyles, 484 expected ERA. He was at 494 last year. His strikeout and walk numbers have changed around a bit. His strain rate, his batting average on balls and play have moved around a bit. But expected ERA, a pretty good single number indicator of his quality relative to last year. And he is essentially at the same level. The biggest issue causing his ERA to rise from essentially where it should be to 6.4 is that his strain rate has gone from league average to being 20% below league average. And that is not something that's sustainable. He has given up a lot of home runs. He's deserved to give up those home runs. But by and large, he should not be giving up this many home runs with that many runners on base or allowing that many runners to score. It is just purely a timing thing. We call it string lock. That's another way of referring to it, but basically it is the short period of time in which you're getting all of your hits and walks versus spreading those out, right, over the course of a game. So sometimes teams and certain pitchers have all of that string luck occur in a short period of time, and sometimes guys like Bryce Elder are able to space out those hits over the course of multiple innings and keep their strand rate really high. So uh, Lyle's been wildly unlucky this season, but you compare underlying pitch modeling metrics to a guy like Matt Manning. Doesn't compare so far off, but both of these guys are still – Number four or no, number five type and replacement level starting pitchers. That's it. As I mentioned, two worst offenses of baseball against right handed pitching. Um, Kansas City, potentially historically bad, 76 WRC plus against righties. The Tigers actually hit lefties well, but they've struggled against righties largely since the start of last season. So I made this total 8.7. I like the under nine and a half to about minus 122 or under nine to minus 103. And then we'll also talk about the money line side as well. I think you might be able to figure out where I'm going, but I do like the under nine and a half in this matchup, even down to nine at minus one Oh three between two poor starting pitchers, but two of the worst offenses in
2: baseball. All right. Excellent. Total at nine and a half. If you shop around it's nine and a half at BetMGM. Jeremy Bonderman. That was not a name I expected to hear on a Monday morning in the middle of the summer during 2023. Wow. Pretty good, uh, video game player. The year after he had his 2006 season, that whole Tigers team was actually, you know. And good. I, I don't
0: want to be too, too, uh, not only incorrect but too mean to Jeremy Bonderman. He actually had some nice season. It was his teammate Mike Maroth, who lost twenty games. Maroth went nine and twenty one for yeah. the 2003 Tigers. Bonderman, uh, Bonderman He actually had nineteen pitched losses. Pitched pretty. Yeah, he he uh, he went six and nineteen in his rookie year, but. He actually ended up having a decent career after Marath uh, sort of flamed out after that 20 loss season. So, not something you want to be ever be known for, but your most recent 20 loss receiver or 20 loss loser was uh, Mike Marath, not Jeremy sure Botterman.
2: Sean Zarillo's Daily Column during the baseball season is up. Opening pitch breaks down today's 10 game slate. Charlie Disturco also pens the Triple Sevens, which will be up later today. And you're using one of your triple seven picks as your best bet. Why?
1: Yeah, I mean it is a light slate, and there's not so much value for me across the board as far as my picks. So I'm gonna go with the triple sevens here. Wilson Contreras against Jesus Lazardo, As always, a half a unit on total bases, um, point one on home run. If you look at Wilson Contreras, he was a huge credit. Crit- he was a huge point of criticism early in the season for the Cardinals amid all their struggles. Granted, it was almost an entire organization-wide struggle, but he gets a lucrative contract, comes over, hits about 160 in May. His numbers have jumped up a little bit, 220 in June. And then comes July, which has been kind of the point of this backing here. A 565 batting average in July, a near 2,000 OPS. He's been absolutely crushing the ball. Seven of his 13 hits for extra bases, three home runs. And the one area where he really is an above average player in and hitter in is against left-handed pitching he's got a 124 wrc plus and a 284 isolated power against southpaws when you look at the matchup here jesus azardo's on the mound for the marlins and his biggest weak point is barrel rate and hard hit rate he gives he's a sub 50 percent in hard hit rate and average exit velocity and he's got it over a double digit barrel rate so he gives up a lot of hard contact and a lot of barrels I think it's a perfect time to jump on Contreras here. He's plus 135 for total bases. I think he's got complete extra base power. The way, if you look at his the fan graphs, rolling Woba and hard hit rate, the numbers are night and day from month to month. And over the last 15 to 20 days, he's a different hitter. So I love targeting him here. He's already been a plus hitter against lefties. And given the fact that he's on a hot streak, I'm going to continue to ride it against a lefty here.
2: Are those full unit plays for you when you play them separate? No, it's always uh
1: it combines to a 0.6, unless it's like a minus one ten total bases. So half a unit total basis plus one thirty five, point one unit on home run. I believe the best number out there is plus four fifty.
2: Okay, very good. It's a little different. That's good. Just kind of mix it up. And it's to your point, you're not fully loving the slate today. So let's go to the triple right. sevens. Yes. But- Let's find out if we're going to fade the public. We are looking in the Action Network app, and there is significant love for the Texas Rangers today over the Tampa Bay Rays, who are suddenly only a game ahead in the American League East over the Baltimore Orioles. Tampa's been sliding. Baltimore's hot. It's more so about Baltimore being hot. Tampa, at some point, I think was going to hit some regression. 76% of the bets, 91% of the dollars coming in on Texas. Zarillo, do we agree with the public or is there a way here to come back on Tampa uh, at minus 120 at BetMGM? The public likes you. That's the only reason that this might fly. How are we going to handle the public?
0: Oh, I'm on the Texas Rangers here today. Uh, we did talk about earlier in the year, though, that there would be a swoon for the Rays at some point, And that might be the time to buy their futures. So maybe if the Rays continue to struggle here, potentially the Orioles overtake them for first place in the AL East. Maybe that might be the time to buy their World Series futures. I bought World Series futures on the other ALA teams behind them, the Jays and the Orioles, who were both about minus 200 to make the playoffs at the time during the All-Star break. If the Rays slip behind those teams, and I can get juicy odds on the Rays, a team who I expect to be in the dance at the end of the year, and not only that, but potentially even better than they were at the beginning of the season with their roster fully healthy. Yeah, the buying opportunity might be coming soon on Tampa Bay, but in terms of Monday's matchup, I do like Texas uh we talked about a game with two of the worst offenses in baseball this might be the game with the two best offenses in baseball the Rays number one against righties of the season the Rangers top two against both right-handed and left-handed pitching and I actually do like that fact for the Rangers for this game specifically because Shane McClanahan is a left-handed pitcher with reverse splits and I actually don't really know who that favors more typically right when you have a pitcher with reverse splits Does it still favor the offense against that type of pitcher who, you know, on paper would be a lefty pitcher? Or does it favor the pitcher? Because in theory, they're effectively a right-handed pitcher or functionally a right-handed pitcher. McClanahan throws from a really high arm slot. So I think that is partially why he has a different viewpoint for those left-handed hitters as opposed to righties and why he's more effective against righties in addition to his pitch mix. But looking at McClanahan's trend, er, trend in terms of strikeout rate, He's coming back off of the IL here, made no rehab start. And in the first 12 starts of the season, his strikeout rate was about 29%, above 25% in all but one start. But in his past five starts, all of which were in June, that strikeout rate dropped to 17.8%. So down, down 11%, 12%. And it never went above 22% in any individual outing. He had a back issue in that start, that most recent start that he left, but it seems fairly obvious that something was bothering him even before he left that outing. On top of that too, you go back through his previous year game logs and there's a very clear downward trend in McClanahan's strikeout rate as his seasons progress. So it seems like he's a guy who's continually wearing down now over the course of three seasons as he sort of gets past that first month, those first two months it seems like his effectiveness and his strikeout rate is sort of dipping. So not the type of team that you'd want to be at less than 100% against. In the Rangers, who absolutely smash left-handed pitching, as I mentioned, they do have the thing where they're top two against both lefties and righties. So even if McLanahan functionally is more of a right-handed pitcher from their viewpoint, they do hit both types of pitching. Well, they just might have the wrong guys in there. So I'm curious to see how they play it, what platoon guys they play uh against him but either way i like the rangers in both halves here even with dane dunning on the mountain uh you could bet the rangers to about plus 112 for the full game or i should say even money uh for the full game and plus 112 for the first half so like texas as i said both halves and riding with the public
2: all right they're plus 100 full game right now down to minus 105 for first five innings interesting
0: i would expect that first five line to be higher in the full game line, that is a bit odd. You know, um, you just intuitively, bigger advantage for the Rays in theory in the starting pitching matchup than the bullpen. So the the full game line should never be you know a better price than the first five on here.
2: And as we know these are two of the best over teams in baseball this season. They scored ten runs combined in the game in early June, and all of the runs were score- scored in the first four innings of the game. And McClanahan had one. Uh, McClanahan had a rough inning in the third inning. Allowed a home run to Robbie Grossman, and that's when it sort of started to snowpile against him. So we'll see. Coming off the back injury tonight, Charlie, the total set at eight and a half runs. As Zarillo mapped out two of the better hitting teams. Would you want to play a side, or does the total catch your attention?
1: Yeah, I think I like tar- the target the total more than this aside here. Uh going over a juice eight and a half or, you know, nine at plus money, one oh five is fine by me. When you when you look at and Sean's talked about McClanahan a lot, so I won't talk too much more, but with his decrease in strikeout rate and putting the ball in play, and you look at his underlying metrics, he's in the bottom half of the league in hard hit rate and average exit velocity. He's got a 10% barrel rate. So with like a walk rate that's near 10% and this struggle with when balls are put in play, they're normally hit pretty hard against the Rangers offense. It's not a recipe for success. So I think that McClanahan struggles. He's got an 88% left on base rate this season. That number is going to come down and it will come down and negatively regress. And then opposite. Just Dane Dunning, since Sean didn't talk about him, I'm not so high on him. I think that it's a high-scoring game and a lot of volatility, so maybe the underdog is more than live here, especially the Rangers' offense. But Dunning's expected ERA, nearly two runs higher than actual. His expected batting average and expected slugging has gone up this season, and his strikeout rate and ground ball rates have both dropped over 5%. So he's not striking out that many batters. He's relying on pitching the contact a little bit more than usual, which has not fared that well for him but he's got a 268 BABIP and also a 78% left on base rate. And when you look at what his preseason projections were, and even now it's around 300 batting average on balls in play and a 70% strand rate. So he should negatively, negatively regress here too. Both bullpens are in the bottom half and XFIP Texas won't have Will Smith because he's pitched on back-to-back days. So I think that this just all culminates for an over game I, I mean, we don't know if McClanahan has a full workload or because of his three weeks and no rehab starts. If he gets pulled relatively early, doesn't matter to me. The raised bullpen is pretty bad. So I think both offenses here are more than capable to put up a lot of runs. I, I like their matchups against both Dunning and McClanahan. So I'm fine with taking an eight and a half or a nine over here. Last point I want to make on this game.
0: is I agree with Charlie, the Rangers have the better bullpen. McClanahan. ERA last year, 254. ERA this year, 253. Basically, identical. His expected ERA last year, 2.8. Expected FIP last year, 2.6. Numbers this year, 398 and 389, respectively. So even if you're taking McClanahan as he is this season, he's still dropped by about a full run and has moved closer to a league average starter than a true ace based on his underlying indicators. So definitely a decline. And something to keep an eye on, regardless of the health
1: concerns we have tonight. Yeah, it's it's inevitable that he, I think, takes a step back, especially with the concerns that have come over the last few weeks with his back and whatnot.
2: Seeing how he pitched in June pre-injury, also, I know he had a better strikeout rate, as you both mapped out. His K pop, his K prop, pardon me, is set at five and a half. So that to me would that line being set would. You'd think he might get a normal workload, a normal five, six innings. I'd go um, under. Uh, I mean, you
0: factor yeah. in the the short, you know, the, the short rest thing, the fact that he hasn't started in 17 days, right? So that's missing essentially three turns through the rotation, didn't take a minor league start. Uh, and the strikeout rate, as I said, has been below 20% okay. even since the start of June. So, yeah, I'd probably go under five and a half. And as soon as we jump off the pot, I'm going to search for the best number.
1: Yeah, the Rangers, the Rangers are also a patient offense. And, like, it, it's, I had uh, Williams's with when Sean Kerner gave it out, like, this past on Saturday, and they just completely weigh. And if an ump is not giving the 50-50 calls, they'll take walks, and they are, I mean, unbelievable at the plate. We know that from the amount of overs that they get. So they'll wear down starting pitchers. And I like that, too. Six best strikeout rate against left-handed pitching. And,
0: uh, I mean, we, we said McClanahan is functionally a righty, so I'll just double-check against righties. Uh, they actually interestingly ranked closer to league average. So, yep, uh, you know, 6th or 12th, lefties versus righties, above average against both. But I think the, one, McClanahan may just be on a short pitch count, but two, there's a chance that he just gets re-injured and pulled again. So there's, there's a lot of reasons to go under there.
2: Okay, so Zarillo's on Texas' first five in full game. Charlie likes the over. And as we mentioned, Texas, Tampa, second and third, respectively, in overrate Eight. this baseball season. Baseball betting season is here, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only must be 21 or older to wager 19 or older in Ontario new customer offer all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit free bets expire seven days from ensuance. excludes Michigan disassociated persons please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado DC Kansas Louisiana Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's find out what underdog we might like for today. Zarillo, you can go first. Who are you targeting?
1: Where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Where's my dog?
2: Yeah,
0: I'm going to take the Cincinnati Reds, calling up Christian Encarnacion Strand. If they put the whole Encarnacion Strand on the back of the baseball jersey, it will be the longest name on the back of a baseball jersey in Major League history. They literally Not even Salt the the
2: Machia? To,
0: they, it's... I mean, Brennan, they literally have to wrap this thing from the bottom of one number all the way around like a rainbow to the bottom of the other number. So I'm curious to see what they do. Maybe they give him a little double-decker action and put the hyphen in the middle and, you know, use size six font on the back of that thing so it doesn't look so absurd. But uh, Encarnacion, a stranded guy, have been waiting for a while to get the call, projects off the bat to have a weighted on-base average of around 340. So he is immediately an all-star caliber hitter. Uh, Just absurd numbers in the minors. That trade that the Twins made last year at the deadline, trading Encarnacion Strand and Spencer Steer for a now-injured Tyler Molly. even if Molly was healthy and giving the Twins contributions, that would be a horrific trade because Steer was immediately a contributor for the Reds and Encarnacion Strand looks like He's going to be a potential superstar, either at first base or DH. Um, The Reds can hit, man. And since Ellie came up, they have a top eight offense. They're also first in steals in all of baseball, and not just by a little bit. They have 17 more steals than the next closest team, 55 overall, since Ellie hit the big leagues. Fastest team in baseball. Arizona is the only other team in the conversation. I do like the Reds here, not only in terms of where I project them, you could bet them down to about plus 135. Also like the over in this matchup, but one thing worth noting, and I think they can frustrate Webb if they get guys on base, he's allowed a career stolen base success rate of about 78%, which is higher than the major league average. And frankly, is in about the bottom 15 to 20% of starting pitchers. Noah Syndergaard, the worst amongst them, but Webb isn't great at holding runners. So if the Reds get runners on first, If he's able to give up anything, I think they're going to attempt to steal a lot of bases, be very aggressive on the base pass, um, and challenge a Giants team, which has been very poor defensively this season. They have leveled up with the additions they've made to their roster. Patrick Bailey's given them quite a boost. Casey Schmidt has helped them up the middle when he plays. But the, the Giants, that is their biggest weakness. You know, continuing to trot out Brandon Crawford occasionally at shortstop, he might be. And I've always loved watching Brandon Crawford play. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but he might be the worst active shortstop defensively at this point in his career. So there's guys who are past their prime playing defensive positions all over baseball. Mike Trout should have moved off of center field years ago. Brandon Crawford, unfortunately, should no longer be playing shortstop. And he does give opposing teams free base runners from time to time just because he can't move to his right or complete the play as frequently as he used to. So long-winded way of saying the Reds, I think, are a team on the rise. The Giants, a team who I bet to win the NL West at plus 750 at the All-Star break, and I think they continue to be competitive. But in almost all of these matchups this season, even in the ones out in San Francisco, I was betting on the Reds. So the Reds here, I think they just match up well with the Giants, and uh, you could bet them down to plus 135. you have faith in the Reds to make the playoffs? I do, yeah. You know, um, I think they
2: can two games game. out of the division. Two Any two of these teams
0: of the that have a good offense, uh, the Reds, the Orioles, the Rangers, the Rays. We talked <laughs> about as pitching continues to fall apart across the major leagues. Kleinahan we just talked about being banged up. I think the pitch clock has taken a big toll on a lot of these power pitchers, and with the increase in injuries, I think the teams who have good offenses have a safer floor down the stretch. A reason why I like the team like the Cubs, not only do they have the only positive run differential at the time in the National League Central, but they also had non-power pitchers in their rotation. They have a lot of guys who are relying on weak contact and sort of, you know, not the typical power pitcher type that we see going on the IL regularly. So, yeah, teams who are able to keep that rotation healthy, obviously we're going to be the ones that were always in contention, but I think the teams who have good offenses especially in these hot months now with the ball flying, I think they have a higher floor the rest of the season. So maybe not in October to get to the end and win the World Series once it gets cold. But right now as it's hot, I like the offensive teams and the Reds, as I said, not only offensively, but the bats, but also the speed is really giving teams problems.
2: Charlie, an underdog for today. I noticed the team that you're on, you're actually going against the team you were backing against Texas over the weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Guardians made my life awful this weekend. though They did get the first five yesterday, and I stayed away from the full game. Thank goodness I missed that bullpen melt. I'm on I'm on the Pirates here at plus 110. I just think that this line should be closer to uh, a coin flip. Uh, Priester's take, making his debut. Uh, if you don't know Quinn Priester, he's a first-round pick for the Pirates, former first-round pick. He grades out to about a league average pitcher, at least right now. He'll obviously ease in and, and be better, but at the AAA level this season, he's had about a, a nine-strikeout for nine walks a bit of a concern but only a fourth a four three era with a 67 percent left on base rate so he's grading out to about a league average pitcher and the guardians i just mentioned their bullpen melts consistent bullpen bullpen melts. they're going to start with xavion curry today who is probably going to only throw you know two to three innings but He's pitching way above expectation, expected ERA over two runs higher than actual in the bottom 10% in whiff rate, expected batting average average exit velocity right around the bottom 15% in hard hit rate and, and strikeout rate. So relies on putting ball in play. Obviously, as a reliever, it's not as severe, but as you get stretched out a little bit, it makes you more prone uh, to getting a, a big inning and a, or a blow-up inning. And when you just look at this matchup, it's two teams with about, you know, Average, below average offenses, neither stand out. The Pirates got back. Brian Reynolds, they're calling up all their young players. So I actually think that their offense is going to fare well, better as the season progresses, especially with Reynolds now back in that lineup. Brian Hayes, the last one to come off the injured list when he does. And the Guardians, their bullpen just is has been a mess this this past few weeks. And, and Class A, even him, you know, we've seen a, a decline in strikeout rate. He's, he's struggled a little bit too. He's not the same pitcher as last year where he was just an automatic closer. It's just one of those games where in, in a light slate and at a plus money, I think the Pirates should be closer to like that plus 100 minus 105 range. So I'm happy to take the Pirates here in Priesters debut and hope that they can get a lead and hold it unlike the Guardians this weekend.
2: Final bets before we go. Zarillo, you teased The possibility of uh, taking a side on Royals and Tigers your best bet was an under for two teams that are subpar when it comes to their offense. Royals had a pretty good weekend uh, against Tampa Bay. Why Kansas City. Yeah, I
0: made this line, uh, slave favorites, minus 102 for Kansas City. So you could bet them down to about plus 106. I think there's just a lot of people who are continuing to ride the Fade Jordan-Wiles train based off of all of the money that they made against them earlier in the season. But I don't project a significant difference, really, between these two starting pitchers. And as I said, these are two of the worst offenses in baseball and really don't see much between them as well. So the Tigers, when they're facing left-handed pitchers, definitely look to bet them there. When they're facing righties, I either look to avoid them or look to bet against them. And that is the type of matchup we have here. So the Royals down to plus 106. But as I said, prefer the under nine and a half in that game to minus 122 or the under nine to minus 103. The other bets that are on the board for me, uh, the Dodgers against the Baltimore Orioles. I like the Dodgers in both halves today with Emmett Sheehan facing the recalled Grayson Rodriguez. Rodriguez, we saw earlier in the year, Excellent stuff, multiple above-average offerings, but he has very poor command, and he was giving up home runs at a ridiculous rate. I mean, a ridiculous rate. Uh, He allowed 13 home runs in 45 of the third innings. That is 2.58 home runs per nine. Normally, you would say that is completely unsustainable, and it is unsustainable, but his expected ERA was 6.01. His actual ERA is around seven, so he did deserve... To give up most of those home runs, it's just, by and large, you wouldn't expect him to throw that many meatballs and have that many barrels hit against them, given the stuff that he has, the quality of stuff that he has uh, going forward. He did go back down to the minors. Results weren't necessarily improved. You know, I didn't watch those starts, so I can't tell you how his command link specifically, but he was still walking guys at a pretty decent clip. Um you know, the Orioles are searching for pitching. They're very much in the hunt for the AL East. I would expect them to go out and add pitching aggressively in the trade market. But Grayson Rodriguez is their highest upside internal option. And If he is able to bust out alongside Tyler Wells and Kyle British, the Orioles could make a serious run this season. That's why I added their futures before the second half. They were loaded offensively. They continue to bring prospects up. They just need some reliable starting pitching. And if Rodriguez is capable of potentially busting out and giving them that they deserve to give him every chance to show that he belongs at the big league level because the stuff certainly says that he does but the dodgers number one or for most of the year were the number one offensive baseball gets right into pitching they've dropped slightly but they do have the better offensive splits in this matchup and emma chiehan a guy i'm also kind of high on two above average pitches per stuff plus uh 105 stuff plus overall and i think he's a solid pitcher as well and i think the command you know, while a bit shaky, might be more refined than what Rodriguez is offering. So the Dodgers in both halves for me, two about minus 118 for the first five innings and minus 108 for the full game. I think the Orioles are great, but I also think they've played a little bit over their heads and the Dodgers might be undervalued here.
2: Grayson Rodriguez in AAA, eight starts, 41 in the third innings, four home runs allowed. So that rate's improved if you include his AAA numbers.
0: Yeah, but it's the, you know, it's the walks down there that are concerning. And it's just, it could be a mental thing too, 19. right? Where he's, he yep. feels so much pressure to stick around in the big leagues. He's just not as relaxed as he might be in AAA where he's able to blow away hitters. Stuff too, that, that is thing that often occurs. It happened to Hunter Green. There's guys who have just the most elite of elite stuff and they get to AAA and and guys down there can't even touch it, but they don't really have to work on command because all they have to do is just put the ball in the zone and nobody's capable of hitting it where they do the same thing at the major league level and that ball ends up getting pounced on. So I've seen plenty of you know player development people talk about this, how there becomes a point in these pitchers' careers who have incredible stuff where they need to finish their development at the major league level. So I don't really think Grayson actually improved. Three walks, three strikeouts, three innings in his last start. I think the command problems are still going to be there, but I also don't think he was going to necessarily get better in AAA. He might have to learn and figure things out at the MLB level.
2: And finally, Charlie, there is a line yes. out for Oakland and Boston. And I have a one more for the road. And yes. uh the Red Sox, despite not knowing who they're going to start in tonight's game in Oakland, they are favored at minus 148 and Blackburn's pitching for Oakland. Do you care who starts for Boston? Regardless. Yeah, I mean, I do care who starts for Boston. I am waiting for a first
1: five line because I think that, you know, fading. Start
2: and air quotes, by the way. Start, yes. Right.
1: Yeah. As of now, right, the, the, the word on the street and what the projections are say is that Nick Pavetta will take the mound for the Red Sox. And if that's the case and we can grab the athletics around plus 110, 115 at the first five, I will most likely hop aboard Paul Blackburn. You know, the athletics, yes, they're 25 and 70. Yes, a lot of their pitchers are horrible. Yes, their bullpen is atrocious. So we stint, we get rid of the bullpen. We look at the first five. Paul Blackburn's actually been, you know, an above-average pitcher, and he is an above-average pitcher, or, or, or I guess about a league-average pitcher, you could say. He's got a, a sub-4 expected ERA, so there's going to be positive regression on the horizon. His ERA nearly a run higher. And he gives up a 32.7% hard hit rate. So his numbers are pretty impressive across the board, He's improved in expected batting average, barrel rate. His strikeout rate is now near 25%. That's a career best. And that's all come with a a near 370 batting average on balls in play. So he's been quite unlucky when balls are put in play despite a low hard hit rate and a low expected batting average compared to last season and barrel rate too. And then Nick Pavetta, I mean, listen, if it's Blackburn against Pavetta, I think this is way closer to a coin flip than most would think. A 269 batting average on balls in play for Pavetta, that will – negatively regress, especially when you consider that he's in the bottom five percent of all pitchers in average exit velocity and barrel percentage he's been one of the guys that last year I faded when he was starting a lot obviously the Red Sox have kind of used him out of the pen which has kind of helped him a bit at least transform into you know a better pitcher a, a more average pitcher some would say but his walk rate remains a career worst his hard hit rate has jumped up yet again and even with replacing his cutter with a slider for this season he's still getting hit pretty hard so i waiting for the first five number to drop but that's the last game that has has my eye right now i love paul blackburn i think that he's he should be moved at the deadline for a team that needs an arm if they can pay up for it he's a he's a he's a very solid pitcher and one that goes under the radar especially in a 25 and 70 athletics team he's under he team control through
0: 2026 20, so they won't trade him
1: Well, you know, (laughs) I wish one could hope that the reds would go get him because the reds need starting pitching help. Yeah. Reds and Orioles. uh,
0: I think expect I'd expect one of those two teams to land Giolito and be in the market for
1: or Lance Lynn Mm -hmm. question mark. Yep. But yeah, hottest team in baseball right now
2: against the (laughs) Oakland Athletics. What's better than taking the Oakland Athletics? Pete Abraham, Boston Globe. His latest was actually this morning, early this morning. Then, then again, they're out West. So, Uh, Nick Pavetta won't be starting for the Red Sox. Not talking about tonight. Just generally speaking, won't be starting for the Red Sox, but Alex Cora considers him part of the rotation. Cora said, I see it as honestly like a four man rotation and a bullpen day because we know that Nick will go deep. So maybe he will change his tune and go to Pavetta. Well, I've,
1: yeah, or if Pavetta like or they if the Red Sox go with an opener, Pavetta's grabbing yeah. that, that bulk roll that like the Rays do with Yanni Chirinos. It's just one of those things where like maybe they can they're like, Oh, let's get by the the top three batters of the Oakland athletics and then let's get they're to not the- good at
2: that. No, it's Oakland, I get that, but they're not good at that. I think the Red Sox are they're definitely below five hundred when they start an open. they start or go with is a better way of putting it. Go with an opener.
1: Yeah, because they have a below average pen so then when you're not yeah. deep and you have a below average pen without you know you're not using kelly jansen in the first or second inning so yeah. you're using your your below average replacement arms it's always a disaster but yeah follow me in the app if if i end up pulling it you know you'll see it, i'm waiting on word of what's going to happen and where that line kind of ends up but if pivetta is getting a bulk bulk load even with a with an opener i'll be i'll probably be hopping aboard oakland
2: okay that's it 10 game slate Find Zerillo and Charlie in the app. Of course, find Zerillo's daily column, opening pitch. It's available now, actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app. Triple sevens from Charlie will be posted later this morning, maybe early afternoon. It'll be up there. You'll find it. By noon Eastern, yeah. Okay, very good. Um, That's it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We are here Monday, Tuesday, and Friday during the season, so Payoff Pitch is back tomorrow. We are presented by BetMGM. For Zerillo and Charlie, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.
1: Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.